the Holy Spirit, otherwise known as the counselor, the teacher, the guide, the friend, the helper, the spirit of truth, the Holy Ghost, misunderstood and mysterious. Francis Chan calls the Holy Spirit the forgotten God. In my lifetime, I have seen a number of pendulum swings back and forth in the church world between a complete fascination and overdependence on the Holy Spirit and then a swing back to no Holy Spirit at all. I've seen church movements being so interested in the external workings of the Holy Spirit, concentrating on signs and wonders and all these things that people must do to demonstrate the fact that the Spirit lives within them, all the way to no feeling, nothing. It's as if, in my own tradition, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, left it to us, it's all we need, they packed their bags and left on an extended vacation. There's got to be something in between. Where's the Spirit today? Let me read this uh, description of something that happened some time ago. Sinners dropping down on every hand, shrieking, groaning, crying for mercy, convoluted. One witness said, believers praying, agonizing, fainting, falling down in distress for sinners or in raptures of joy, some singing, some shouting, clapping their hands, hugging and kissing, laughing, others talking to the distressed, to one another, to opposers of the work and all at once. Can you imagine if that happened in here? Everybody freak out. Do you know what that was? Only Tom knew last hour. Anybody else know? That is a description of the Cane Ridge Revival, the early 1800s, a part of the second great American awakening, and from which the American Restoration Movement, our own heritage, came from. It came from such a, a, a strange experience as this. In fact, one uh, one person said, and they even barked like dogs. Now, I'm not going to suggest that that happened in here today. But the, the Spirit is a mysterious person. And as the Bible says, the wind blows where it will. So who is the Holy Spirit? What's, there are 800 verses in the Bible that talk about the Spirit, some directly about the Holy Spirit, and other times the word just is used as a spirit, just as spirit, the spirit of this or the spirit of that. So it's kind of hard to tell. There are three words. One of them, the Hebrew word ruach, which means wind or breeze. Uh, the Greek word pneuma in the New Testament, which is much the same, wind or breeze. And then a very special word that only John the apostle uses in his letter and in his gospel called parakletos, which is the word we're going to deal with in just a minute. Those three words describe it. And you know, today, today you felt it when you left the house. When you walked through the parking lot, you felt the wind and the breeze, didn't you? In fact, I had to go out a while ago just to get refreshed by that wind and that breeze, and that's what we need today. We need that refreshing that the wind of God brings us. The Holy Spirit is not a lesser person than God or Jesus. Our, our hymn says, God in three persons, blessed Trinity, and we don't understand that. By the way, the word Trinity isn't used in the Bible. It's just a, a, another word that, that we've used to describe this mysterious 
fusion of God, Son, and Spirit. An old uh, analogy was the tree analogy. God in three persons is like the roots, the trunk, and the branches. The one you may may know the most is the H2O one. You know, H2O has three forms, the steam, the water, and the ice. But still, it's mysterious. How can God be in three persons? Just Let's just stop that and say there are some things that I can't explain. But the Bible says that's who our God is. The Bible says God is creator. Genesis 1, the Spirit moved over the face of the water. God said, let us create man in our image. The Spirit is not an emotion, but the Spirit has emotion, has intellect, has action. And by the way, friends... I had to go out, I, I really, I was, I was choking. I had to go out and get a drink of water. So I stood back here and listened as, as we heard, I can only imagine. And if, you're, if, if, if you didn't experience something there of a feeling, then your wood is wet, it's dry, it's not wet, it's dry. It, you, you, got, you guys, did you, did you experience anything there? That, I believe, is God's spirit. God's Spirit's working on your feelings. It's okay to have feelings now, just don't go wacky and start, you know, bringing in snakes and stuff. But, you know, I think in my tradition, in my tradition, if you have a feeling, you should bottle it up. The Holy Spirit blows where He will, and today I think He blew as we were singing. And you felt something, and that is, I think, the Holy Spirit trying to break through that hard heart of yours and get to your hard head. And so we aren't wasting our time when we sing. God's Spirit is present at all times. Well, the three Bible words, the one we want to concentrate on today is parakletos or paraclete. It's found in the book of John. We're going to look there basically about, the, you know, there's a lot of things we can disagree about, but I, I think if we concentrate on the words of Jesus, we'll be in pretty good shape if we talk about the Spirit, what the Spirit does for us. So, I, this is fast, so fasten your seatbelts. Tim said I had 27 minutes. I don't have 27 minutes. I've got to read fast. Jesus said in John 13, I will only be with you a little longer, the apostles. I will only be able, and so you can imagine what they felt like. They must have felt confused. They must have felt very insecure. And he went on to say in John 14, the, the passage we often hear read at funerals, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust in me. Don't be afraid. You know, that happens a lot when God says something. The, immediately after that, don't be afraid. And then Jesus goes on to talk about this paraclete, that's going to come alongside. And John uses that word very specially. John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, paraclete, who will never leave you. This word paraclete means one who comes alongside. If you look at different translations of the Bible, you will see it translated advocate, encourager, comforter, guide, friend, helper, companion. All of this is hard to explain. Someone who comes alongside us like a coach or an encourager. I think the word advocate is probably the best translation, though it's not nearly as cool sounding as some of the others, but the idea of almost an illegal standing as well. Someone who stands beside us to vouch for us, even before our Heavenly Father. Jesus said in John 14, 18, I will not leave you as an orphan. He will not leave us alone. When he says, I will send you another helper, another means not something different, like another choice, but of the same kind. 
The Holy Spirit is of the same kind as Jesus. And he's here be, for, for us to know that we are never alone. God will not leave you alone in two different ways. God will not leave you alone, and God will not leave you alone when the Holy Spirit is present. Look at John 14, 26. When the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. The Holy Spirit is a teacher and a guide so that we don't have to necessarily depend upon our own selves sometimes, but the Holy Spirit helps us in what we need to say and know. John 15, 26, but I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. In this passage, John 14 through 16, Jesus uh, says those famous words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here he says, the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. Just like Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, so is the Holy Spirit. No difference. John 16, 7 to 8, he's talking to his followers here. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. It's better that Jesus leave them? That's sort of strange, but yes, because why? Jesus is limited to human form, and his activity is limited in a human body, but when the Spirit comes, the Spirit will be living in his followers, and they can do more collectively than he's able to do just one human body. So it's better that he comes. And he will convict. The Spirit convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. All of you have experienced that before if you're a believer. You'll say, oh yeah, oh yeah, not a good idea. We've all experienced the conviction of the Spirit, I hope. John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. The Holy Spirit, again, is our guide he will not send a new or different message about Jesus. He will not tell you something that, that uh, conflicts with what Jesus has said or what's in God's Word. If you hear a message that someone says is from the Holy Spirit and it doesn't line up with what we know God's Word teaches, it's not from the Holy Spirit. It's from some other spirit, but not the Holy Spirit. And then the one in Acts 1. A passage in Acts 1, uh, by the way, today in the larger church world, uh, is celebrated as Pentecost Sunday, the day of the birthday of the church, when the Spirit was given to the church. Interesting that we be talking about that today, isn't it? Let me read this one. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set these dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when, it, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, and that's why we're here today. God gives the Holy Spirit as a gift to his followers to continue his work. A gift is no good until you open it. Just remember that. The Holy Spirit gave them power, dunamis, dynamite, the ability to do, to be witnesses, which is the old Greek word for martyr. And all of these men, save one, I believe, became a martyr for the faith. 
God gave them the power to do things they could not have done on their own. Look at some of the other things that the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. And this is just some of them. The guarantee, the down payment that God promises there's even better things to come. That's the Holy Spirit. What does it look like when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, some of you know the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you see these qualities in people, you are seeing the Spirit of God living in them. Paul says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you. In, in Romans, he says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now, here's the dilemma. Most of us don't feel like that. We don't feel like the Spirit of God is in us. Most of us don't see that. In fact, there are some people who are not believers who seem to have more love, joy, peace, and patience and all those things than church people do. They seem to be good, even better than some church people. What's happened to us? Don't you wish you had that same power demonstrated in your lives? Mark Batterson wonders if churches do to people what zoos do to animals. They cage us. They make us comfortable. They make us safe. And there we sit. A.W. Tozer said something like this. He said the spirit could leave the average church and you wouldn't know it for three months because the spirit's power is not making any difference. Francis Chan said, there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say they've experienced the Holy Spirit's presence or action in their lives over the past year. But don't you want to experience that power and presence? Don't you feel a holy discontent that there ought to be more? 21 years ago, I came here because I could see, I could sense the visible presence of God working in this community. This could not have happened here. Tom will tell you that. Look at us. We're just average people. This could not have happened here without the presence and the movement of the Spirit. We don't want to stop this by being caged animals, comfortable, quiet, and safe. We have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. How, do I, how can I be sure I have that power? Well, the restoration movement stands on this verse, Acts 2.38. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the, given, for the forgiveness of your sins. But then look what it says. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't understand that. I don't want to argue about that. It just says that. That's what Jesus says. I don't, you know, when does it happen exactly? You know, if I trip and fall in the baptistry, does that count? If I, you know, that is, what do the people here say? They did it. They didn't argue. They just said, all right, if that's what I need to do to be sure that the Holy Spirit's presence is in me, that's what I'll do. And that's what we do as well. And if that has happened to you, if you have repented and confessed and you've been baptized into Christ, you do have that gift. It just may be unopened. 
I like this A.W. Tozer quote. Every believer is actually as full of the Holy Spirit as we want to be. Unless you open the gift, it's not usable. Ephesians 5, 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to scare you with that, but when we say a person is drunk, what do we say? They are under the influence. That's what filled with the Spirit means. You are under the influence of the Spirit. Now, I don't know anything about being drunk, but I have observed some folks who are. When they are intoxicated, they don't have control of their speech, their actions, sometimes their thoughts, do they? Under the influence of the Spirit, we too don't have control of our speech, our actions, and our thoughts. Jesus lives in us. How do I ensure that I am being filled with the Holy Spirit or being influenced by the Holy Spirit or walking with the Holy Spirit? Got to do this quick. Make time and space for the Holy Spirit to work. That's really the bottom line. Our lives are so noisy and so busy, you could not hear the, the voice of the Holy Spirit if you wanted to. Make time and space for the Holy Spirit to influence you. This can be done through silence, solitude, and Sabbath. Your body wasn't meant to run 24-7, seven days a week. It wasn't. You cannot hear God's voice when you're that busy. And what happens when you're not busy, if that ever happens? You have to fill every moment of your time with sound and noise activity because you don't feel like you're worth anything unless you're doing something. God says, be still and know that I am God. You cannot hear the voice of God the influence, be influenced by the Spirit if you're living in a noisy, quiet, noisy and cluttered world. So, ask. You know, Jesus says in, in Luke, which one of you would give your child a scorpion if the child asked for an egg? As bad as you are, you still know how to give good gifts to your children. But your Heavenly Father is even more ready to give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks. So, ask. Wait. Prayer is not just talking. Prayers, listening, waiting. Remember, the Holy Spirit is able to pray for you and intercede for you even when you can't even have the words. Listen. Listen to whatever that is. God has rarely spoken to me in an audible voice, but I believe He has led me through some kind of a feeling, not like a heartburn or something, but a feeling. And what's that feeling? The feeling is, I ought to, or maybe I should, or whatever. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Others of you are going, what? Perhaps you've locked the Holy Spirit in the back room and you don't want to hear His prompting. But how will I know if it's His prompting? Remember, the Holy Spirit will never lead you to a place that Jesus has not been. So if it does not line up with the teachings of Jesus and the Word of God, it's not the Holy Spirit. But not only that, I, if I read the stories of the Bible, I find out that Bible people are rarely excited about the leading of the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, I want to go be crucified upside down. Oh, yeah, I want to preach to those sinners in Nineveh. 
Most of the time when the Holy Spirit prompts us or influences us, we want to head the other direction. And you know what? When you have that feeling, I think it's the Holy Spirit. Hey, I don't want to do that. I want to go there. That's the Holy Spirit telling you no. Like that guy, no, no, you know. The Holy Spirit is prompting you. Listen, how can you do this? Empty yourself so that you can be filled. Dwight Moody used this illustration, and uh, he said, you know, if you've got a glass of, you know, kind of tepid, lukewarm water, uh, how can I get fresh, sparkling water into this glass because it's already full? It's only one thing I can do, right? I'm not going to empty it here. (laughs) But I have to empty this glass before I can fill it with something fresh and sparkling, correct? How can you fill your life with the Holy Spirit when you've got tepid lukewarm, maybe even dirty water filling you. The first thing you have to do is get rid of that which is in your cup so that you can fill it up with this fresh, sparkling water of life. What do you fill your mind with? The Word of God. The Word of God is what the Spirit works through. The Word of God has been written by the Holy Spirit. How can you know the thoughts of God and the mind of God unless the Holy Spirit reminds you and prompts you of the things you've learned? If I ask a very small child, two years old, to multiply four by three, they will look at me like, but once children know the multiplication tables, they can do it. How can you be prompted by the Spirit of God to think and act and speak like Him when you don't have any of His Word filling you? The Spirit is not allowed to work because you don't have anything to work with. Fill it with the words of God. Oh, we have so much more we could talk about. But let me just go to this. The bottom line is you can resist or you can surrender. A.W. Tozer says the Spirit is a gentleman. He will not push himself on anybody. The harder your heart becomes as you resist him, the less likely it is that you will be filled by the Holy Spirit. And that passage I read in Ephesians about drunk with wine and filled with the Spirit, that verb there about filled, it doesn't mean a one-time filling. It means a continuous filling. This is something that happens. We have to do this. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to be a part of us. We can resist. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Now, the reason why many of you today who may be checking out Christianity for the first time are a little confused is because we haven't done a very good job of demonstrating being filled with the Spirit. What happened to these men in the book of Acts compared to them when we leave them after the resurrection? Hiding in a room, not sure what to do. Jesus comes, gives, says, I'm giving you a gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit comes and what happens to them? They begin to do things that they'd never done before. In Acts 4, it's one of my favorite passages, the council there looks at Peter and John and they are amazed when they see their boldness, it says, for they could see they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. It's our fault that people aren't attracted to Jesus because nobody recognizes him because we have not allowed ourselves to be filled with the Spirit. We've not done a very good job of amazing people with the power of God. God is writing his story through us today. His favorite genre is action adventure. But too many of us are living in a cage, fat and lazy. So are you spirit-led or self-led today? That's your choice. As I said, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone hears my voice, I'll let him in.
Let me in, he says. If you're a Christian, you want more. You need more. Empty some stuff out so that more can come in. If you are an un, a, a person who's trying to decide, who's not sure they believe, think about this. Perhaps the Spirit's worked on you today. Say, yeah, some of this is, some of this is making sense to me. Step across that line of faith and say, I want what they have. We, live, uh, we love this world and the things of the world, but not enough. There was one who loved this world to the ultimate. He gave his life for us.